Welcome to the Live Wealthy Podcast with Dawn, where we are growing our wealth and our worth at the same time. You ready? Let's go. Okay, super pumped today because you guys don't have to just listen to me. You get to listen to one of my business partners, which I'm excited to have on this podcast today. And before I introduce him, I just want to share and say one thing is that I get the privilege of talking to all of you on a regular basis and giving financial advice out and teaching you how to have a financial plan and, and all of the things online. But the really cool thing is that in our platform that we actually get to help people implement and take action on their success. What do I mean by that? It's because today I get to talk with Jake, no mistake. He is the the wizard of Oz. He's like, well, I can sit there and give advice out all day, but I can actually tell people, yes, we can do your financial plan. Yes, we can implement and manage your assets. Yes, we can handhold you and, and hold you accountable to take action in your financial life. And I wouldn't be able to do any of this if it wasn't for people that are brighter than me behind me. And today we have Jake, I call him no mistake. Now every human being makes mistakes, okay? But Jake from, right? That's hard, it's not from, it's from. Jake from. Yep, from. 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 And he's not even from the Midwest, okay? But Jake is here with us. He is, um, I, we call him internally, all of our employees call him Jake, no mistake, because he's so brilliant and so thorough and so detailed. And he makes us all look amazing as all of us, us financial advisors. So Jake, first of all, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's fun. Yes. It's, well, is it really fun for you? Come on. I, I'm an introvert, but mm-hmm. stuff like this, you know, this is out of the ordinary. It's not yes. like my day-to-day work routine. So it's fun, you know, doing something a little different. Something a little different. And, you know, the introverts on the podcast, which excite me because those are the ones that have the really awesome information. So, Jake, before we go into your per, per, your professional credentials, let's go with you personally first. Like, tell me who Jake is. Yeah. Well, um, I'm currently in Pennsylvania, um, originally from Des Moines, Iowa, and went to the University of Nebraska, big Husker fan, and uh, married. My wife is a resident, surgery resident, so she's going through that process. And um, we've kind of been moving from the Midwest up the East Coast slowly, Uh, went from Des Moines to Ohio, now Pennsylvania, and just kind of working our way up the East Coast more and more eastward. So, okay, so what do you like better? Do you like Iowa, the Midwest? I, I didn't even know Iowa existed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. I grew up in Wisconsin, so yes, I did. But what do you like better? Do you have an opinion yet or not? Um, when I was a kid, uh, I lived in Connecticut for four years. And that was like during my formative years, you know, like second grade through sixth grade. So I have a really strong fondness for the East Coast. So, Mm. you know, as we've kind of moved this direction, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, let's let's just keep this rolling. You know, maybe we'll end up in Maine someday, you know, (laughs) right? keep going north. Um, (laughs) So so and you get to do that because you work remotely 
for our investment wealth management firm called Releve Financial Group, which by the way, Releve means to grow and to rise. Um, but your, so your wife, did you move because of your wife, right? Uh, yeah. Yep. Basically the way that works is you, you sort of get told where you've matched and you just have to move there uh, to work with that program. So um, originally she matched in Ohio in Akron. So we both moved there and luckily I found Releve at about the same time and it worked out great for everyone, I think. Yeah. So we got the financial guru and the doctor, right? Like that's a really cool really cool um, household to live in, I bet. So, okay, so that's who you are personally. Professionally, let people know, because I don't, so many times people are like, oh, Don, I didn't even know you guys manage money. Like, what? So tell everyone what you do on a day-to-day basis for Releve. Sure. Uh, I am the lead investment analyst, is my title. And uh, the main parts of that job, I guess, are to um, monitor our clients' investment portfolios, which includes all the trading and rebalancing of accounts that we do, as well as any due diligence that we do as far as picking funds that we may add or remove to client portfolios, um, and just day-to-day client interactions, like if clients have questions about, hey, how's my performance here today? Or what, what does this fund do in the portfolio? Uh, we're here to help with that kind of thing. Okay. So, so our clients come in typically because they want a financial planning relationship. They want to make good decisions and have direction and clarity with their financial plan. But like I was saying earlier, to really make your financial plan work, you got to have your money work for you, right? We all work hard for our money. Um, Mm -hmm. Jake, are you working hard for your money? Sure am. I'm just asking you a question. Okay. I'm hoping <laughs> the answer is yes, right? Yeah. But we, yeah, we that all... Was the... <laughs> that was a rhetorical question. <laughs> exactly, right? Um, but we all work super hard to have our incomes, right? And so it's like we got to have our money work equally hard for us. And so you are managing the assets. You're managing all of the investments that we recommend for our clients, which is a significant job. So, um, first of all, like I said, because we can be out there talking to clients and prospects and all that kind of stuff, but if we can't deliver the actionable, like, here's how you really invest your money. Here's how you get a diversified portfolio. Here's how you make your money work for you. And here's, we're going to hold your hand when the markets go down and we're going to hold your hand and cheer when the markets go up, like having that type of relationship and having, um, you as, uh, the expert, the lead investment expert in our firm is super, super important. So you manage the assets and do the due diligence and the trading and all that kind of stuff. And I know you have support now, which is awesome to help you out with all of the heavy lifting that you have. But when you think about a client coming in and you have an advisor like myself or the other advisors on our team, Kimberly and Nadine, like when we're saying, okay, put together this portfolio, like what are some important things that you like when you're choosing the model, right? The, the risk for a client, when you're choosing that investment model, um, what are like, what, what's really important to you when you're going through that analytic thinking of how should I build and construct these models? Um, that's a really good question. And there's a lot to that, but, yeah, I um, know. <laughs> But you're like, Don, I'm an analytics. Ask me one thing. (laughs) I'll I'll try. I'll try to keep this from getting too far in the weeds. But um, the the, I guess the first thing I look at is what's your risk tolerance? So if a client is in a position where they need to be more conservative and maybe they have a portfolio that's like 
20% stocks and equities and 80% fixed income or bonds. Um, we're looking at first manager selection. So we want to use names of well-established firms that everyone's heard of, you know, like the Black Rocks, JP Morgans, firms like that that have large assets under management and well-established funds that you can trust. So once I've identified some names like that, the next thing I look at is uh, how much does it cost? So, you know, every fund has fund fees associated with it, and some are much higher than others. And um, a lot of the times you can get index-like exposure for very cheap, and it makes sense nine times out of 10 to do that. The other one time is in a few select asset classes that maybe a manager has to charge more because they are actually going out and checking these companies out and making more concentrated portfolios where they're checking out these companies and getting an idea of what their future prospects look like a little better than an index might. And they seek out performance versus the index. Uh, that costs a little bit more, but in certain areas it's worth it. So we wanna make sure that we are keeping portfolios low cost so that your returns aren't diminished by that. But at the same time, not ruling out managers that do a good job and have to charge more for their services mm-hmm. if they're actually delivering out performance due to that. Right. At the end, it's about the result, right? It's if it costs X, it's fine if you're getting a better result. And that's what it comes down to. So you first of all, look at risk. And I know as, a, as an advisor in the firm myself is that we always look at, I mean, it's always risk versus the time, right? That someone has before they're needing to pull out their investment money. Um, but a good rule of thumb to give all of our listeners is that it's a starting point. And we're not here to give everyone's advice. Recommendations are so different based on their time horizon and how they feel about the markets, their education level of all of the things. But a good rule of thumb is taking the number 110 minus your age. So in my case, it'd be 110 minus 20 would equal, (laughs) oh, I'm sorry, 110 minus 50-ish would equal how much exposure one person should have to the stock market or equities based on, you know, if I'm going to still not touch my money for number of years yet. Right. So there's some rule of thumbs based on risk. So, so basically what you're saying, you know, I just like to give, um, give our listeners some type of like idea. So if I was 50 years old, like I maybe have 60% of my money exposed in that stock market, maybe, but you always should consult with a fiduciary wealth advisor first. Um, but that's kind of a rule of thumb. And so, so it's when you're constructing portfolios, first of all, it's based on risk. Secondly, it's based on well-known companies that you can trust, right? Because everything with money comes down to trust, like you said. And then third, it's really about managing those fees, right? So we're either going to have low cost or no cost, or if we're going to have a cost, that result better have some historical data where it's outperforming. So that's really important to you. So um, what about like, like, how do you determine, you know, I know when you're constructing a model, like you have certain percentages in large cap, mid companies, small companies, international bonds. Like how do you go through that 
analysis of like how much exposure uh, investors should have per asset class. Sure. Yeah. And that brings up another good point. And this is important as we construct our model portfolios, uh, diversification. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, most people think of the market as the S&P 500, right? <laughs> right? Yes. That is what people see on TV and that's what's on CNBC, you know, with the tickers and, oh, the S&P or the Dow is up 1% today. But really, diversification goes a lot further than that. And in order to have a portfolio that can manage economic downturns as well as keep up with the market or even outperform the market when it's going upward, you have to have some other asset classes in there. You know, the S&P 500 is a large cap index, and you also need to have international stocks. You need to have emerging markets. You need to have small cap and mid cap. And even on the bond side, there's other asset classes, you know, uh, securitized debt, short-term bonds, long-term bonds, floating rate. There's just so many other asset classes out there that aren't really represented by just quote unquote, the market or the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. And um, as to get back to your question, how do you determine the weights? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't want to bore anyone that's listening, but uh, there's a lot of statistical analysis that goes into it. But roughly um, right now, we're looking at like a 70% domestic U.S. stock mix to a 30% international mix. And that's pretty high, honestly. But um, there's a cyclicality to this where the U.S. markets outperform international markets for an extended period, and then it flips, where international mm -hmm. markets will outperform the U.S. And uh, within the last year or so, we've started to see a flip where for the last 10, 15 years, the um, United States has outperformed any other nation, really, as mm -hmm. far as domestic equities. Uh, and that has flipped a little bit. So uh, we do have a pretty heavy weight toward international stocks. Um, but there are a lot of asset classes out there that should be part of a diversified portfolio, but just aren't top of mind to people that, um, sure. you know, don't, don't know to look for them. Right. And, and I'm in a lot of those client meetings too, or have been over the years. And sometimes, I mean, I think we counted, like, isn't there like 30, 36 asset, like indices that are related to our, a full diversified portfolio. Like you can't just look at, like you said, the S and P 500, their doubt, like there's 30 different index indexes is indices <laughs> that indices, we all have to indexes. look right in. Yeah. Indexes, <laughs> indices that we have to look at. Right. So when clients are like, well, wait, why is my portfolio doing this? It's like, well, cause it's tied to that. And, um, and like, uh, and another thing too, when you were, were talking earlier about like, United States companies versus international companies, it's typically, if I'm not mistaken, Jake, no mistake, that your international picks tend to be more of the where we're going to hire an active manager to try to outperform those indices versus the United States indices. Is that correct? So, yes, absolutely. Um, okay. So, if you're looking at like the S&P 500, or like a large cap index, it might not make, there's always exceptions to any rule, but it might not make sense to pick an active manager for an asset class like that. Because when you think about it, 
Uh, let's take Apple, for example. A stock like Apple has so much analyst coverage that there's a very, very small chance that someone is going to know something about that stock that nobody else knows. And that's what drives out performance, where internationally, not only do you have the ability to sort of kick the tires on these companies and actually see what's going on under the hood, but there isn't as much coverage. So a really good portfolio manager can go in there and see what's going on and put those companies in their portfolio and see how performance is a result. Oh, I never even thought about that. But you're saying like Apple, because people, we just have so much information about them at our fingertips because it's a, a company that's in the United States and a lot of people work there. And so they're gonna share information about the company, even though that maybe they shouldn't, right? Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you have a oh. thousand plus analysts covering one company, you know, you're not going to see any new information that none of those people have seen. Where if you find these companies mm. that are overseas okay. and less covered, then yeah, you might, you might see okay. something in their financials that people haven't picked up yet. So th this diversification, you hit on it a little bit. It's, it's really, you know, why we diversify, like what, if you had to say like the one reason why diversification is so important, what would you say that is? Um, I'd say it all goes back to the old like adage, don't put all your eggs in one basket mm -hmm. where um, I don't want to pick on any one company. But if you're if you go toward the sort of high flyers, especially in 2023, there have been a select number of stocks. They're, they're called the Magnificent Seven. But these stocks have outperformed indexes dramatically, but if you were only invested in one of those, what if that company has the CEO leave? What if that company, you know, just closes their doors all of a sudden someday for some unforeseen reason? Mm -hmm. Then you're just out of luck and mm -hmm. your portfolio is going to lose value very quickly and you have no way of mitigating that risk. Where if you have a basket of hundreds or thousands of companies, like you would if you have a diversified portfolio of mutual funds and ETFs, then if one company goes out of business or sees trouble, you're not going to see your portfolio drop by 50%. You might see it drop by a quarter of a percent. Mm. So it, yeah. it just helps mitigate the downside. That's exactly what it is. It mitigates the risk and the downside of portfolios because... At the end of the day, research tells us that consistent performance wins out of chasing companies, rate of return, right? So it's a consistency and having the consistent performance and not having the up and down swings in your portfolio. Because we know if you lose 30%, you got to make more than 30% just to break even again. And so it's taking those swings and making them more in alignment with each other. Of course, a diversified portfolio can still lose money, right? We, we're seeing it. We saw it last year. We continue to see it, right? But, but overall, it's about if you don't go down too much, then it's easier to go back up. And I'll tell you, human beings from a behavioral standpoint, which you know, um, as a level two candidate CFA, you also know that the majority of us human beings, if not all of us, we value like keeping a dollar versus the opportunity to gain another dollar, right? We all, it's, it's about this, it's almost like a, I don't want to say a scarcity mindset, but I want to say it's almost like we value more of not losing versus the opportunity to gain. 
Right. Yeah, the losses just hurt a lot more than the gains do. Yeah, right? Because the losses affect us in our personal life, in our professional life, and emotionally and mentally, too. Well, and then behaviorally, like you were saying, if you do have a portfolio that's one stock and it goes down 30% all of a sudden, then you get into this pickle where you're like, okay, this is down 30%. What do I do? Do I hang on? Do Mm -hmm. I sell now? And you get into this mental battle with yourself where if you have a diversified portfolio, you're not going to see those immediate drawdowns nearly as often or nearly as quickly. So you don't have to go through that stress of seeing all this volatility in your portfolio, which is good for the long run, because then you're not risking putting yourself in a position where you feel like, oh, I have to sell now. This is not going to go back up or, oh, I'll wait and see if it comes back. Well, don't they say, I mean, you sent this, the information to us a few years ago, but statistically, the average investor gets 3% or a little over 3% and the markets return 7, 8, 9% and the, the discrepancy is the behavior. It's the mm-hmm. emotion. It's like, oh my God, I lost. Now I got to get up and I need to get out, right? Um, and, and so that behavioral advice is so important and it also aligns with why you have a diversified portfolio. So thank you for sharing that. And, and I, like, do you have fun putting this stuff together? Like, is it fun for you? Oh, I love it. I love it. super analytic? Okay. (laughs) Love it. It, There's not too many people that love spreadsheets, but I am one of them. Yes. Okay. I was working in Excel last night and I started to have sweat come down my back again. Like, (laughs) just like, I'm half analytic and half not, but I can force myself to, but it's just like, yeah, it's hard on me to stay in that mode all the time. So I'm grateful for people like you. So, okay. So what are you doing now? The, like, what changes are you making in your investment models in your portfolio construction based on what's going on with the markets today? Yeah, this is actually perfect timing because we're making some changes in the next couple of weeks. Okay. Uh, but the main thing is, um, as everyone knows, uh, both stocks and fixed income did very poorly in 2022. Uh, the stock index being the S&P 500 was down 17% over the course of 2022. And bonds were down 13%, which hasn't happened since before the 1970s. Were you born then or not? No, not even close. (laughs) I was. I was five, but okay. All right. All right, smarty pants. Keep going. So with that, um, rates have been going up. You know, the Fed has been increasing rates since the beginning of last year. And that is most likely going to slow down in the very near future. Uh, What that means is that it will pay off to increase the duration of the uh, bond sleeve of the portfolio. Mm. Duration is just a measure of like the sensitivity the portfolio has to interest rates. So the more duration you have, as interest rates go up or down, your portfolio will go up or down more the more duration is in that portfolio. So uh, at the beginning of 2022, uh, we had very good timing and kind of saw the rate increases coming in shortened duration, which helped our portfolio performance a lot last year. Yes. Uh, But now that we're at a point where this is slowing down and going to stop soon, we are re-extending that duration to a more uh, benchmark neutral position, which means when rates stop going up and eventually start going down, portfolios are going to see uh, greater performance as a result. 
So in greater performance because of that change you're making in the portfolio, plus the fact that we have to get back to where the bond market should be because it's like, do you even know, like, so you said last year was down 13%. Do we know what year to date is? Um, I think we're up about 2% year okay. to date. Okay. But pretty okay. flat, really. Pretty flat. Yeah. But slowly, but surely coming back. And I don't know about you and me, and we all know we're not in the business to predict, but the S&P 500 year to date, it's way crazy, right? Like, yeah, up about 20% now. That scares me, actually. It's, it's, <laughs> and like I kind of alluded to earlier, some of that is concentrated in that quote unquote magnificent seven group mm -hmm. of stocks. So some of that is like the boom of AI and just people um, feeling like they're missing out. Uh, you know, if you saw some of these stocks take off at the beginning of the year, you say, oh, my portfolio is down. I better get in those stocks. And then as a result, that continues to drive the stock price up. So it's sort of a herd movement mm -hmm. in those stocks. But yeah, it, it has been a pretty significant rebound since the beginning of the year. Yeah, crazy. We'll take it though. Not complaining. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> okay, awesome. This has been so helpful because like I said earlier, Jake, I mean, it's one thing to give people advice. But the but the the reality is that like you can give people advice, but you have to be able to implement that advice. You have to be be able to implement the investment uh, opportunities that are there in this diversification and how to keep the fees in alignment or even low. And how do you get consistency in a portfolio? And it's all through um, the introverts intellect um, <laughs> sitting in Pennsylvania behind his computer while his wife works. 96,000 hours a week gives you some of that quiet time to put on your thinking cap and, and really make a difference for our clients. So I appreciate that for sure. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. One more thing, Jake, we're not leaving until I expose an introvert. Uh-oh. Like I want to know, I want to know like either a secret or something funny that people wouldn't expect from an investment advisor, like a, a, I don't want to say an investment advisor, but you're, you know, lead investment analysts. Like what is something funny or fun that you can share with us about Jake? No mistake. Mm. Am I, I putting mean, you on the spot? I'm sorry. You might expect this from an investment analyst. Cause you know, it's just by, by default, sort of a nerdy archetype. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you, I have over 11,000 Magic the Gathering cards. What the hell's that? It's like a trading card game. Oh, 11,000? About 11,000, yeah. What are they called? Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering. Okay. Yeah. Tell me more. So it's like... I mean, you you know Pokemon cards, right? That's yes. that's what everyone my age would play with when we were kids. But Magic the Gathering is like next level nerdiness. Like it's it's a little more intense as far as the strategy goes, but I do it more from like a collector point of view. I like like sorting the cards and like alphabetizing them and stuff. It just puts my mind at ease. Mm. But um it's 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 got its own market to it too. I think that the investment analyst in me kind of 
appreciates it too, because you can look at a car and it might be worth $2 one day. And then all of a sudden it's worth $80 the next day, you know, and just tracking the movements and why things are doing what they are is super interesting to me. So I'm totally addicted to it. <laughs> can you really follow 11,000 different cards and strategies? Yeah. Well, I, I have an app for it. There, I was like, going to say, okay. Yeah, I, I like take pictures of them and then it knows what card it is. So it'll be in my database after that. And then there's like alerts and stuff you can put on when the prices change and stuff. But it's so, very interesting. So it's another form of investment for you and organization. Yeah. Yeah. It's more like there's something about, you know, I look at numbers all day and mm -hmm. that's, I love it, but you kind of have to do something a little different than that to like cool your mind down, you know? So it's just like looking at them and like sorting them by like alphabetizing them or sorting them by color or like just, just doing like mindless stuff like that. Just mm. sorting them is just so good for my mental health. <laughs> <laughs> as no, crazy I, yes. as that sounds no i get it because that's how your mind works you're an analytic right so it's the organization that keeps you feeling in control so you need to continue to work your mind but you're working your mind in more of a creative environment because of the 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 pictures on there and the creativeness that you can be with the strategy too yeah absolutely okay so you're it starts to put it keeps you analytic but it puts you a little bit more on the creative side too right right okay and it gives you something to do while your wife is busy at work. Yeah, and it gives me a way to annoy her when she's home. And I say, uh -huh. Emily, look at this card. I just got, look at it. And she's like, I don't care, Jake. Like, it's the same piece of cardboard you showed me yesterday. <laughs> but where do, where do you get them? Uh, oh, they're all over the place. Like, I think Walmart and Target sell them. But, okay. you know, I, I'm a big proponent of like support local businesses. So I'll drive, it's about a 15 minute drive to Sharon, Pennsylvania. Okay. And there's a really good uh, game store there that I'll go oh. to, you know, and buy it from that since I like to support that kind of business. So actually, I think that's really cool. And thank you for sharing that with us because it's what makes you unique and different. And would I want to do it? No, but that doesn't mean I'm like, it's not, it's right for you and it makes you happy. And it, um, and I'm sure there's a million of you out there that do the same thing, which you already know, because otherwise there wouldn't be value to the cart, right? Yeah, um, that's what makes us great. Like we all have different interests, but we all we appreciate do. each other. So. We do, and that's the beautiful thing is we all appreciate um, each other. I get so fired up talking to people like you just because I have so much respect. Um, I have so much respect for what you do and, and people that are, you know, are patient enough to help this world out you with people's I mean you think about the impact you're making not just for Releve financial group but the impact you're making with people's money like the clients and when they have more money because of the decisions that you're making from an analytic perspective that's giving them more money to live fully their life and to give to others and that's what the ultimate goal is is to get more money in people's pocket so they can live more, so they can give more. And I appreciate you for all you do. And as the name of the company, Releve Financial Group means to grow, right? Jake, you're gonna continue to grow. I'm gonna continue to grow. Our portfolios continue to grow. Our mindsets continue to grow. All of all of us continue to grow. And so, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, it's, a, it's an honor to have you with our firm, so thank you. Awesome. 
Thanks, Don. Yeah, and I love thank being you. here. Yes, and thanks for being here on the podcast today. I love it. Love it, love it. And because it was so fun, I might have you do it again. Just All saying. All right. All right. Thanks, Jake. <laughs> thanks. Now you can access the first of its kind online digital wealth advisory platform called Grow It. Inside of Grow It, you're going to design your own customized wealth style plan where you align your spending to your savings so you can still live for today and plan for tomorrow. I'm going to teach you proper debt management, how to invest your money in alignment with your own personal financial goals, and how to reduce your taxes so you can maximize your wealth. Also, you're going to be able to have a one-on-one -on -one private session with a private wealth advisor so you can implement your financial plan and then also have an opportunity to transfer over your investable assets to our recommended investment platform. The time is now for you to start living wealthy.